You must come and live with us. But we cannot live with you. You're, you're different. You've got no feelings. Feelings? I do not understand that word. Emotions, love, pride, hate, fear. Have you no emotions, sir? Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And this week, we will be watching The Tenth Planet. Yes, and The Tenth Planet was written by Kit Pedler and Jerry Davis. It was directed by Derek Martinus and produced by Eins Lloyd. It also aired October 8th, 1966 to October 29th, 1966. So, Caleb, first of all, I'd like to apologize because I tried so hard. I tried so fucking hard to find the DVD for this episode because I remember really liking it. And it's also the intro to a villain that I really love. So I was really wanting to watch it because it's four parts, but the first three are completely intact. It's only the fourth one that's not. So I was really hoping to get the DVD so we could actually watch it. But I could only find it on eBay at minimum for 50 bucks. I'm not I'm not spending at minimum 50 bucks for a DVD. No, <laughs> so, no, you were you made the right call. We'll just suffer through the audio version. So then, like, why aren't the first three episodes on BritBox then? I don't know. For whatever reason, BritBox just only includes the ones that are complete. Like we we've listened to episodes where like one or two of the episodes are still intact, but for whatever reason BritBox only includes episodes when the entire story is available. That is just if even, if even one of the episodes is missing, they don't include it. That's annoying. It is. But last episode I ended uh with a tasty little morsel that the second most iconic villain in Doctor Who history is introduced in this episode. Now, due to your cultural osmosis, and I'm assuming starting to connect a couple of dots now that you're now that you're a little bit more familiar with Doctor Who, do you have any idea who the second most iconic villain is? Not even fucking remotely. Like, okay. like literally, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I I am very much looking forward to it. I, I'm looking forward to this for so many reasons, because the villain is introduced in this episode, but they are very different moving forward. This first episode is like the pilot episode version of these characters. Oh, God. I'm trying to think of like anything I have seen, like memes or screenshots. And no, like the only thing I've seen where I'm like, yes, that's definitely the thing is a Dalek. So. Okay. Okay. Cool. Good to know. Good to know. But. On that note, Caleb, given everything you know about Doctor Who and given the ending to the last episode and given the name, The Tenth Planet, what do you think this episode's going to be about? Oh, jeez. I don't know. Like, 
they find like the 10th planet in the solar system or something. That's what it sounds like to me. Cause back in the sixties when they were, when they were naive about what was really a planet, <laughs> Pluto was the ninth planet. And then this is the planet beyond that. Whoa. Whoa. It's so cold. And, Oh God, I got to make up a villain on the spot. What's something thematic. Um, it's the fucking monk, but he's a cyborg now. And <laughs> I'm going to say they're like, the fucking what are they Cylons from Battlestar Galactica with like the red beam eye that moves uh-huh. back and forth? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, are they called Cylons? Um, the Borg. The Borg from, from okay. Star Trek? No, from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I think that's Cylons. I was thinking of the All Borg right. from Star Trek. Boom. They're the Cylons, but the monk. <laughs> okay, you're actually much more scarily close than you think you are. <laughs> I was literally, I was literally just shitting something out. Having said, I have not seen Battlestar Galactica, so, but from what I can tell, I think it's, I think it's pretty close. But just your entire description of the of what you think the villain is, just like there are bits and pieces that are like, does he, does he know, does he know what this villain is? <laughs> no, I, I swear, I swear, I just made that up. I because I literally have no idea. All right, well, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this episode. Uh, so with that, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was four days for us. Boom. Again, that episode today turnaround. I am loving it. Yes, and I definitely listened to one episode a day. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's what you did. You know what? But but to give myself credit, I was like a whole like 12 hours ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't immediately before recording, so, you know, <laughs> progress is being made. A couple of uh, notes before we get started. Uh, this is the introduction of the Cybermen. Who I'm sure we'll never see again. This is also the last episode with uh, William Hartnell as the Doctor. And in about the last five seconds, it introduces Patrick Troughton as the Doctor. So that's something to look forward to. Slash lament. Lament? Is it going to be bad? Is it going to be a bad time? Real talk, Caleb. I'm actually super looking forward to this because Patrick Troughton is my favorite Doctor of all time. And I, I have been I have been eagerly awaiting the Tenth Planet so that we can get started on Patrick Troughton. Okay, is Troughton the one with the long scarf? No, no. Okay, that's that's Doctor Number Four. Let's see. Let's briefly recap how many Doctors I know. Uh, I know William Hartnell, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the one with like the Beatles bowl cut. Is that mm-hmm. Troughton? Yes, okay. that's Troughton. Uh, there's a guy with a scarf. Mm-hmm. There's a one. This might be the guy with the <laughs> scarf, but there's one I've described in my head as old Columbo. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's basically exactly what he is in both looks and character. <laughs> and then the only doctor I know from the New Who is David Tennant. So I know yeah. there are other doctors and I've seen them, but I don't know their names. So yeah, because Columbo was kind of like a a bumbling genius, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, uh, you could say that he kind of put on this, like, doofus front, but he is very analytical. Yeah, okay, in that case, this is the Columbo in character. 
<laughs> I just think one of them looks like old Columbo. But uh, yeah, I've been, I've been very eager to uh, to talk about this one. Was really trying hard to find the DVD so that I could actually watch it again. Fifty dollars minimum on eBay was not going to happen, which is weird because like you'd think, oh well, it's one of the Doctor's last episodes. Of course, it's going to be more expensive. But I have DVDs that are other Doctor's last adventures. And they cost less than $10. So I don't know why this one in particular is so expensive and hard to find. Hmm. I don't know. I obviously know nothing about the show or its fandom or its fucking DVD production. <laughs> Who the hell knows? Uh, before we begin, just in general, what did you think of The Tenth Planet? In general, I actually really liked it. I, It's one of those ones where I wish I could have watched it because I feel like it was simultaneously a very good audio drama, and comparatively at least. And then also I wanted to watch it, so... I yeah. will say, I, I, I waited to look up how the Cybermen looked uh, after I listened to the episode, and man, I wish I just could have seen that moving around. Oh, yeah, no, there's there's a scene that I want that I want to show you later. It's on, it's a clip of it on YouTube, and uh, yeah, the Cybermen, <laughs> are, the Cybermen are very interesting in this episode, um, but uh, we'll, we'll get to it. Let's go ahead and uh, dive right in. Yeah, let's do it. The Tenth Planet, Episode 1. The story begins with two astronauts, Schultz and Williams, as they begin an atmospheric probe from the snow-capped space station. The travelers materialize just outside the station, and scientists rush out to bring them inside. They are immediately interrogated by the station's leader, General Cutler. They realize the year is 1986, and Ben still won't get off about his ship. The probe discovers another planet, but their vessel is experiencing strange power draining issues. The Doctor quickly deduces what is going on. Everyone realizes that the new planet looks exactly like Earth, and the Doctor explains it as a twin planet formed millions of years ago. Keller cuts off the conversation, though, and sends two men to investigate the TARDIS. As the men try to get inside the police box, a strange ship lands and mysterious robot figures emerge and kill them. My first note is uh, when they get brought into the into the Snowcat base and Cutler is uh, talking to the Doctor... The following conversation, the following back and forth happens where the doctor says, I don't like your tone, sir. <laughs> and Cutler says, and I don't like your face or your <laughs> hair. <laughs> Fuck you, doctor. <laughs> Fuck you, doctor. I actually didn't have a whole lot to say about this one, if I'm going to be perfectly honest. The end of this episode actually kind of snuck up on me. I was like actually genuinely listening to it. And uh-huh. then like it got to the end credits like, oh shit, it's the end of the episode already. <laughs> Yeah, which is, uh, I think, a good sign. It's like the episodes where it's like, I don't have a whole lot of notes, but it's just because I was enjoying watching it. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's pretty much how I feel. It's how, that could be my statement about this whole story, really. I, I have a few quips, most, uh, quite one in the next episode, at least. But yeah, I think the story moves along at like, a really nice pace. The characters have like semi-believable conflicts, mostly Cutler. And uh, yeah, and then I don't know, cool shit happens. Um, I think this is one of the episodes where you and I will differ because I have it as mid to low range in my ranking. I actually did not like Tenth Planet very much. Oh, really? I was expecting to like it more than I did. Anyway. Interesting, interesting. I have thoughts about it being the last episode of the Hartnell era, but I mean. I wouldn't put it like top five or anything, but I it is definitely the most enjoyable audio drama. So it's at the very least, like cracking the top half. Okay, that's good. 
But to show you just how little I actually have to say about this, uh, my next note is, this guy sounds like Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) (laughs) One of the guys who goes out to investigate the TARDIS. He's just like, he's, at least I think it's one of the guys who investigated the TARDIS. I'm not sure. But it was one of the scientist guys. He sounded like Sylvester Stallone, and it was distracting me. Yeah, you know what? I I think I remember which guy you're talking about. I don't remember where he was, because, you know, it's audio, and it all just kind of blurs together. But I think I know who you're talking about. But yeah, there was there's not really much to say about this episode. Ben is still hopelessly lost and not and will not get off this navy boat thing. Right, dude, you're at least twenty years late right now. Let's just I I think if you were to show up now, be like, oh, you were fired like twenty years ago. <laughs> I would really like I I, I don't mind because I very much like his like laser focus of I want to go home. Take me home. That's fine. But the fact that he's like constantly like, I'm going to be late for the ship. I'm like, motherfucker, you're on it. You're traveling through space and time. Right. That is irrelevant. (laughs) Could you imagine Barb and Ian being like, well, doctor, I don't want to go to another planet with the Daleks. I'm going to be late for work in the morning. I think that's the reason why they had to adopt the, hey, we're here. Let's just enjoy the ride while we're here mentality. Because otherwise you get Ben. <laughs> oh, I suppose. Uh, my next note is basically kind of my issue with pretty much the entire story. It feels like the episode is just a lot of talking back and forth on the radio and like a whole lot of flight and astronaut talk. It feels like that's what a majority of the dialogue is, and I found that very boring. <laughs> Oh, interesting. We we actually do kind of disagree because I I like that about this episode. <laughs> but I have no other notes on this one. This, this episode just kind of, it sets the scene very well, I think. And then yeah, I I feel like the general. I forget what episode you mentioned it, but you mentioned how it was kind of frustrating how there was a character how every character that they meet falls into two categories of either I instantly trust the doctor explicitly for no reason or. I instantly distrust the doctor completely for no reason. And I feel like General Cutler is the first one where we've had a not trusting the doctor as soon as he um, starts talking to him. But for, like, good reason? Because the moment the doctor shows up, that's when all this suspicious stuff happens and shit starts hitting the fan. So, like, Mm -hmm. I would be suspicious of him, too. The thing is, because, yeah, there have always been characters who just hate the doctor for, like, no fucking reason. In this episode, I feel like... It was well justified, and it didn't even have to be that well justified, because I would have also just accepted, who the fuck are you? How the fuck did you get to the secret, like, military space station? I don't believe anything you say, and then also weird stuff is happening. Yeah, and you mentioned how this episode was, like, a good setup for everything, and my last note is, it's hard to say this episode even was set up. It felt to me more like we were just twiddling our thumbs waiting for the Cybermen to show up. Really? Like, I, I think you could condense this episode down to just, like, uh, opening chapter and put it at the beginning of episode two, and we would lose nothing. Maybe. So, <laughs> Oh, keep in mind that, like, you know, I, I was painting minis while I was doing this, so I was actively listening, but also all of them kind of blur together. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Don't get me wrong. I'm super glad that you like it. I, al- I always enjoy it whenever you enjoy an episode. It's just I didn't enjoy this one very much. <laughs> I also listen to I also listen to it at time and a quarter because that's the speed I listen to audiobooks at. Oh yeah, so yeah, that would help. <laughs> that probably that that has helped every episode of Doctor Who I've done that too. <laughs> I need to start doing that. 
I think the only episode in which I was like, oh my god, and pressed uh, pressed time and a quarter or time and a half was Galaxy Four. Oh my god, Galaxy <laughs> Four. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I just I got places to be, man. <laughs> but no, I I think it's just because I like Cutler as a villain. Yeah. Overall, he's like believable to me. <laughs> yeah, I would I would agree with that. So I think that's probably why. I, if the if this episode is meandering, I'm more forgiving of it because I like Cutler. But yeah, but I have nothing else to say, so we can move on to episode two. I'm ready if you are. Let's do it. Because this is the one where, like, five minutes in the episode, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Episode two. The Doctor believes they will shortly have visitors from the new planet, and they discuss what to do over the radio with Wigner, the leader of International Space Command. The robots try to disguise themselves to infiltrate the base, and somehow that works, and they get inside. They come in and start running the show, and they won't let anyone leave to save the soldiers that went out. I guess the fact that the robots are wearing their clothes wasn't enough of a hint. The robots reveal themselves as the Cybermen, a distant cousin of humanity that eschewed their organic forms a long time ago and are now pure cyborgs. They say the probe and its pilots are doomed, and that's proven when the ship blows up a few minutes later. They reveal that their planet is drifting closer to its twin to drain the Earth's energy, and the Cybermen have come to convert all of humanity to their race before they are destroyed. A struggle breaks out, and the Travelers and the Station crew overpower and kill the Cybermen. They warn Wigner of the new species and coming invasion. Wigner informs Color that his son was sent on a rescue mission to retrieve the probe, and that he too is now stuck in orbit. Now a fleet of unknown spacecraft are approaching the Earth. Am I the only one that thinks the sudden appearance of a brand new planet is being treated very nonchalantly here? Yes. Is <laughs> a new planet identical in size and uh, and landmass as Earth just appears next to Earth, apparently not causing any sort of disruptions to say the tides or anything, and everyone is just like, "My word, isn't that curious?" <laughs> How strange. Yes, no, I thought that too. Everyone's very nonchalant about, you know, a fucking planet just appearing. What's more disturbing to me, though, is the fact that these, like, seven-foot-tall robots <laughs> wore people clothes and snuck into a base. Well, they're in the middle of the South Pole. I guess they figured they could be lax with security if they needed to be, because who the <laughs> fuck would come to the South Pole? I guess. Uh, I, and maybe it's because, like, keep in mind, I haven't seen the episode, so I don't know the blocking. But I'm just imagining the Doctor and the Travelers standing around the computer, and in the background, these are robots in people clothes <laughs> walk in, and someone just walks by them like it's not a big deal. Hello, fellow human. It is good to see you. Yep. Oh, on that note, now that we're talking about the Cyberman cadence, Kyla was in the room listening to it with me, and she said, they sound like the emotional damage guy. I was gonna say that my next note is the Cyberman speech is fucking perfect. <laughs> uh, yes, it's quite amazing. Okay, so real talk. I, either this could be a relief or a disappointment. I wasn't sure because I wasn't sure how you would react to the Cyberman. A lot of the things that are the Cybermen in this episode do not carry over to future stories. Okay. Including their speech. Ah, oh, dang. They do have a very unique way of speaking, but they do not talk like this when they get back to a, nor a second episode. They they do have a very robotic way of speaking, but it's not that goofy. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the goof. I like the goofy, too. I have a certain soft spot for this version of the Cybermen. <laughs> 
some producer was like, we've already got one goofy talking robot species. <laughs> Can we have a normal robot talking species? Strangely enough, I'll bet you anything that uh, the goofiness of how they talk is one of the reasons why they managed to become as popular as they do. It wasn't their fucking costume designs, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, especially because that is another thing that changes drastically the next time they show up. I'm okay with that changing. They do not look like this at all. When I looked up the wiki to write the summaries, I was like, wow, they look like dorks. <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead and do this trivia right now. Annika Wills busted out laughing the first time she saw the Cybermen <laughs> because they looked so cheap. But the actors who played them were, quote, six foot tall hunks. So she was okay with it. <laughs> and Annika is my favorite actor so far because just hearing everything about her like behind the scenes is amazing also another another behind the scenes trivia is uh michael craze had just done and had just undergone a surgery to remove a bone chip from his nose and the artificial snow that was being blown about really irritated him However, because he's a fucking beast, it did not stop him from asking out the woman who was in charge of the snow out on a date. And, <laughs> and then later marrying her. <laughs> Incredible. Dude had just had nose surgery, probably had like an inflamed nose because of the irritation of the snow, and still managed to get this girl to go out on a date with him. That is a level of smooth I can only aspire to. <laughs> That's true. It's true. You're an inspiration, man. <laughs> Given how doofy looking and sounding the Cybermen are, it will interest you to note that they eventually become a villain that I am legitimately frightened of. Oh. Like, they are actually scary to me. I'm not sure in Classic, but in New Who, they are actually terrifying. Interesting. <laughs> that will be that will be a journey. Uh, when I was listening to this episode, later in the episode, like Ben just tries to muscle his way through and basically try to fight the Cybermen. I was like, Ben, why would you try and do that? And then when I saw the pictures, I was like, oh, yeah, they look like nerds. I would do that, too. <laughs> I want to push him in a locker, but I'm not sure he'd fit. <laughs> Speaking of the companions trying to do something that why are you bothering trying to do something? Polly keeps trying to appeal to the Cybermen's emotions that aren't fucking there which they don't have so i don't know why she keeps trying <laughs> <laughs> critique you could have of this whole episode is polly does a lot of nothing this episode yeah that's a note that i have later i kept forgetting polly was even there most of the time most of the time because she wasn't so but uh not to give too much of a spoiler here but ben and polly are now officially members of the crew because they just helped with the genocide <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Boom. Both boxes have been checked. They have been in the TARDIS and they have committed genocide. <laughs> Most of my notes of this episode are just talking about how doofy the Cybermen are and that, and how strangely enough later they will become very terrifying. Although I would argue on a conceptual level right now, they are still terrifying. Yeah, I mean, the premise of, you know, being former humans that have like eschewed their disgusting flesh and want to drain the planet um it, it was basically the plot to tales of symphonia i thought kind of very late game tales of symphonia spoilers for tales of symphonia yeah spoilers for tales of symphonia that game came out 25 fucking years ago i mean sure <laughs> but still <laughs> i have one final note about the cybermen and this is for my, for our all of our voracious 40k fans who are also listeners <laughs> uh boom here it is from the moment i understood the weakness of my flesh it disgusted me that's it. That's the Cybermen. Can, now, can you say that again in a Cyberman voice? Oh, God. Uh, all right. 
Uh, uh, okay, I'm not the voice actor. So, from the moment I understood the weakness of my flesh, it disgusted me. How was that? Find a couple of vowels to extend, like when they say emotion. Do it again, Caleb. <laughs> Faster! <laughs> Can we try that again? But, uh, good. Caleb, do me a favor. Get four years of voice training experience, and then do that line again. But also, I need it right this second. <laughs> this time with talent? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm done with episode two. <laughs> I'm also done with episode two. I've been done with it for a while. I've just been bullying the Cyberman. <laughs> episode three. I could tell I enjoy the episodes because I really only had to look at the TARDIS wiki to like get the sequence of events right. But I could mm-hmm. more or less tell you what happened in every episode. Yeah. That's always a good sign. Also, my descriptions are not fucking a page long each. <laughs> yeah. Episode three. The Doctor collapses from all the drama. Cutler locks the companions in a room with the weakened Doctor and wastes absolutely zero time going nuclear. He wants to use the Z-Bomb, a weapon that could destroy the new planet Mondis, but would also kill millions via radiation in the aftermath. Polly and Ben scheme with a scientist named Barkley, who agrees to fuse the bomb in a way where it will not detonate. Ben sneaks to the bomb's location and helps disarm it, but Cutler catches him and knocks him out. The Cybermen land and are gunned down by soldiers standing by. The episode ends with a countdown to the use of the Z-Bomb, and Bang cannot remember if he was successful in disarming it. This episode had depressingly little Cybermen in it. Yes. I, I, I wanted more Cybermen. <laughs> <laughs> They're easily the best part of this story, if I could be honest. I love them. <laughs> yeah, the Cybermen are great. I don't know, I really appreciate the human drama of it too, though. Yeah. Like, I, I, I like Cutler as a villain, like I said earlier. Yeah, he's good, because he's dooming millions in order to save his son he doesn't give a shit about humanity he's trying to save his son mm-hmm. which i think is a very very human motivation which i appreciate very human and very in line with my opinions of the military <laughs> also that <laughs> as much as i hate to say that i'm siding with the military leader whose instinct is to bomb everything the doctor slash ben's plan of wait and see doesn't really inspire a whole lot of confidence in me, and I'm not sure I would go along with it either. <laughs> I, I I thought that too. I actually thought Cutler, Cutler, mildly based. I, he's like, hmm, we could try and figure out another solution. We could wait and see what happens. He's like, I've got a better idea. Let's just get this genocide fucking over with, man. <laughs> Let's just shoot them. And the fact that he kind of like manipulates wordplay, talking with like Wigner, or like getting mm-hmm. permission for it. He's like, I want to use the Z-bomb, and Wigner is like, no, do not do that. He's like, okay, okay, but just to make sure, I can do anything I see as necessary to save the planet, right? And he's like, yes. Oh, the Z-bomb? I forgot we talked about that. (laughs) Can I use the Z-bomb? No. Okay, but can I do anything, any means necessary to save the planet? Yes. Hangs up the phone. All right, load up the (laughs) (laughs) Z-bomb! And then you're like, he told you not to do it. He's like, oh, but he did tell me I could do anything to save humanity. (laughs) I just have to go through all of the other plans. Let me check. Uh, yeah, this is, this is, no other plan will work. Let's load up the (laughs) Z-bomb! And, you have to keep in mind that that moment is really, really dumb. But it's one of the only few really dumb moments of the show where I'm like, that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) My next note is, military men doing military things, scientist men doing scientist things, and Polly is in charge of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) No, poor Polly. (laughs) Polly just goes full secretary mode. Yeah, she kind of got screwed this episode. <laughs> yeah, she really did. Ben is very, like, take charge, though. He's like, let's beat up the Cybermen. Let's disarm the nuclear bomb. Uh, there's a reason for that. Because uh, William Hartnell was sick 
in uh, filming of this episode. So basically all of the doctor's lines were given to Ben. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. It makes sense why the doctor is not present for over half of his final fucking story. Yeah, which is kind of tragic because the first three episodes of the 10th planet are still intact, but the fourth one isn't. So the last episode in the Hartnell era doesn't have William Hartnell in it. Kind of sucks. <laughs> Does kind of suck. I also love the last episode when she's appealing to the Cybermen and he's like, we just killed him. She's like, but that's a human life. Don't you care? One episode later, the general's son will make it, but that's just one human life against all of them. <laughs> she kind of does a flip-flop in terms of the every human life is precious thing. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I, we're talking about on the scale of millions. Because uh, the Cybermen are just cold and they're just like, eh, who cares if someone dies? Where she is like, what's one life compared to millions? Yeah, no, I, I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just saying it seems odd that she kind of has a moment where it's just like, we're going to have to sacrifice the general's son. It's whatever. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I almost feel like the writer forgot that Polly was part of the crew. Possibly. And then in rewrites, they were like, hey, where's Polly? And they were like, oh, the girl. Shit, right. A female character. I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> What do women even do? I am done with this episode. Yeah, I thought this episode in particular was meh. <laughs> yeah. Moving on, man, Mac, you're killing it. I I went into this thinking I enjoyed this episode, but the more we're talking about it, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, nothing did happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry to uh, to ruin your enjoyment. I promise that's not my that's not my intention. It just, Lies. you know, this podcast is where we give uh, our thoughts on episodes of Doctor Who, as our intro <laughs> is want to tell us. This whole thing, this whole thing was Max's sneaky way of making me watch Doctor Who and fall in love with it, and just shitting all the episodes I like. <laughs> <laughs> all right, episode four. Spoiler: Ben did do it. <laughs> Keller's pissed when the bomb doesn't go off, but the Doctor arrives just in time to take control of the situation. Cutler loses it when he thinks his son is killed. But the Doctor tries to convince him that Mondas will burn out on its own without the Z-Bomb. More Cybermen show up, and Cutler is killed in the conflict. Now in control of the ship, the Cybermen force Ben and some scientists to head down and disarm the bomb once and for all. They deduce that the Cybermen are weak to the bomb's radiation. The Doctor is taken to the main Cybership, but using a mix of radioactive tools and the Cybermen's weapons, Ben and the crew are able to regain control of the station. Mondas flares brilliantly, and many of the Cybermen are killed. Zeus V, the probe with Cutler's son, is apparently just fine and is returning. Ben races to the Cybership to save Polly and the Doctor. The Doctor is acting strange and says he must return to the TARDIS immediately. The Doctor heads off alone, trying to hide what will happen next from them. Ben and Polly basically bust in the doors just in time to see the Doctor collapse. He's enveloped in a bright light, and when the flare resides, someone much younger has taken the Doctor's place. You know, it says much younger. He still he still looks old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, know. comparatively speaking, yeah. <laughs> but my first note is, "Hooray! The Cybermen are here to save the day!" Because Cutler is about to kill the Doctor, and then the Cybermen bust in and kill Cutler. <laughs> <laughs> the wor- the worst part of all of this was Cutler was fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> he was. I will stand on this hill. Cutler did nothing wrong. <laughs> well, not only that, but, like, they're particularly weak to the radiation from the Z-bomb, so going nuclear was the right decision. <laughs> yeah, it was. 
I and again, I cannot emphasize enough how much I hate the wait for Mondas to absorb too much energy from the Earth plan. If for no other reason than they already have an invading force on the ground on Earth. <laughs> and it's like, we're just going to give up all of our energy until it can't absorb anymore. Like, okay, what happens after that? We will still be low on energy. And also, I didn't see it coming that all the Cybermen would just drop dead. Yeah, that's true. I mean, because like, uh, you know, you think Mondas blows up in the sky and it's all dramatic. And the Cybermen turn around and like, well, this is ours now. Yeah, that, that's what I thought was going to happen. The Cybermen fleet landed. Mondas gets destroyed. And they're like, we will convert the rest of the human population. This will be our new planet. Like, that's what I thought was going to happen. That's why I was like, the wait and see plan doesn't make sense. But now, it turns out Mondas was just a big server. <clears throat> yeah. And then uh, in trying to, like, parlay with the Cybermen to kind of buy for time, he agrees to let Polly go over as a hostage. And my note is, Doctor, you're stupid. They're going to try to cyber-convert Polly. And my, my next no note is, oh, look, exactly what I said would happen. If only someone had predicted that. Because, like, the <laughs> next scene is her being strapped into a chair that is clearly used to turn people into Cybermen. To be fair, the Doctor is very disoriented this episode. He's really tired. <laughs> he doesn't really know what's going on. It's true. And then they go into the... Kill, they did it again. They go into the radiated room... And then they do the fucking sick man routine, and it works again, and it pissed me off. The classic. <laughs> which leads me into my next note, which is, why, of course, all we have to do is hang out in this heavily, heavily radiated room, and we'll be safe. <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? Ben, you have a third arm. Yeah, I needed that. <laughs> That's all part of the plan. This shriveled third arm is what is my linchpin for my strategy to <laughs> defeat the Cybermen. And then they were in the control room watching the fact that Ben and co. were held up in the radiated room. And, like, I know that they needed the humans to go in and do what they were going to do to, like, arm the bomb and stuff. But I'm surprised that the Cybermen had no means of shutting the radiation down from the control room. It feels like they could have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, why would you have to go down to the highly irradiated bomb reactor room to turn off the highly irradiated bomb and reactor? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then Mondas goes kaplooey, and uh, I was like, so did the energy just return to Earth? How does that work? Where is Mondas? Did it break up in the atmosphere? Did it just pop out of existence? I want to see it. How did a giant planet just suddenly disappearing in Earth's orbit not affect us at all like oh well thank god that's over i feel like a huge spatial event like that would have big big repercussions for earth but uh oh well i guess let's get back to the tardis <laughs> it's fine everything's fine everything's fine i mean we didn't need our ozone layer <laughs> you weren't using that were you <laughs> then my last note is uh thus ends william hartnell's time as the doctor Yes, when he goes in and takes a nap uh, in a light. Because he also gets captured and then is put into the same chair as Polly and kind of had his energy drained. But Polly, you know, young, strong Polly manages to be a little bit disoriented, but otherwise is fine. Doctor, not so much. But he was acting weaker throughout the episode, too, so. Yeah, 
See, my theory would would be Mondas absorbing energy is what was weakening him, except that that would only hold up if other people were also acting weakened. Yeah, unless something special about the doctor. Ooh. Who knows? But uh, the justification I've seen for why this energy absorption is what does him in is that in the Dalek master plan, he was aged rapidly by the time destructor. In the savages, he also had... Se- enough of his energy drained so that another person adopts his personality and then in this episode he's drained even further by the cybermen so it's not just this it's just being added yeah, on over time it's been built up for sure i think he said i think he says at one point that this old body of mine is wearing a bit thin so um i take it the this regeneration thing then is just when the doctor is about to die yeah, it, it's, I don't remember if it's explained at all in the next episode, but would you like me to explain what it is? Sure. Yeah, basically, anytime a Time Lord is about to die, they regenerate every cell in their body, basically have a new form. The way I like to describe it is that uh, they keep their nature, sorry, they keep their nurture, but their nature changes, which is why multiple doctors will just have different types of personalities or different approaches to things, and... Uh, what one doctor might do, another doctor would never even conceive of doing. Okay. So it's like he's a brand new person, but with all of the doctor's memories. Okay. That's how I would describe it. My headcanon is going to be he just picks a random person out of space and time and takes their body. Usually the regeneration is, like, random. Like, he makes he makes the joke once that uh, I could have two heads. I could have no head. Imagine me with no head, and don't say that would be improvement. <laughs> it is known that occasionally... Time Lords can, if they will it enough, they can be a little bit more specific in their new form. Okay. So their body isn't really so much like regenerating so much as like reshaping. Yeah. So like if they concentrate, they they can choose how they look. But yeah, I, I didn't think this was a great episode to go out on. Partly because, I don't know, I would think that, I would think that Dr. Changing would be like a bigger event. Mm -hmm. And, uh... It wasn't, or at the very least, I thought, you know, him changing would be directly tied to the plot and not, like, loosely because he might have sort of almost died. Yeah, it, it was an issue because, I mean, I've been telling you a whole bunch of behind-the-scenes things. It's not any secret that William Hartnell, William Hartnell's health was deteriorating and the fact that he had difficulty remembering his lines, mm-hmm. they kind of needed to uh, <laughs> trade him out. No, I understand. I just, I, I, I wish this could have just matched the intensity of, like, the chase. Yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> or the end of the Dalek Master Plan. Yeah, Dalek Master Plan. Honestly, even the War Machines probably wouldn't have been, been a good one. Mm-hmm. William Hartnell famously said that if there was one man in all of England who could replace him, it was it would be Patrick Troughton. <laughs> so it, so we have, we have the first Doctor's blessing on the second Doctor. <laughs> all right. Well, second doctor, let's see what you can do. Um, let's see what else. What other trivia? The Cybermen actors were so hot in their costume in the studio lights that a couple of them fainted on set. <laughs> Dang. Because I'm not sure if you noticed in the pictures you saw, but like it was a cloth helmet that was like form fitting to them. Mm-hmm. That was over their head, and then over the uh, I don't know what type of material it was, but like they were wearing a bodysuit that was clearly like insulated. Yeah. So when they got hot, they stayed that way <laughs> and then they had a big yep. fuck off computer thing on their chest so they had to carry <laughs> that around while also doing that 
That's not going to be a problem at all. No, not at all. But I think we've covered all the other trivia. Let's go into final thoughts. I hope I didn't sour your opinion about this episode too much. Not in particular, because like saying it's like the best audio drama is like not a super high bar. Yeah. I thought it was surprisingly listenable. Again, I listened to it like a time and a time and a quarter. So maybe that influenced how listenable it was. I thought it moved along in a good clip. The Cybermen were cool and kind of doofy. I do like the Cybermen. I think they're they're one of my favorite villains. I think there's a good reason why they stick around. Things I don't like are it's meandering. My girl, or it's not really meandering. My girl Polly just isn't there. Yeah. The doctor isn't there for his final arc, really. Mm-hmm. It's continuing the trend of like everyone just leaves the show in a fuck off kind of way, and I just have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, the only person who's had any kind of like really ceremonious leaving is Susan, the companion I think I hate the most. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but it's not the worst. I would put it in like somewhere in the middle upper half <laughs> yeah i i found a one of those uh tier list makers mm-hmm. one of them was first doctor stories and i put 10th planet in the c tier personally yeah it's not my favorite audio my favorite audio is myth makers mostly in spite of vicky's <laughs> vicky's departure <laughs> i thought myth makers was good i thought it was well written so that one is my favorite audio at the moment I, I didn't like the I didn't like the back and forth on the radios. That's what it felt like to me. What most of the episode was, and it felt like that. Other than the introduction of the Cybermen and the Doctor's regeneration, it doesn't really feel like a whole lot actually happens <laughs> in this episode. I think the reason I like the kind of radio back and forth is like Wigner is in like Vancouver, so it kind of expands the scale because hmm. like there's a point where like International Space Command is like destroyed. Yeah, and that's when it, it's gone. It feels like this is a planetary invasion, and not that's just true. On the, fucking the South Pole. That is true. The stakes are definitely a lot higher in the tenth planet. It is an Earth invasion that would have been successful if the Cybermen had just carried the decimal point over a little bit more and realized that absorbing too much energy would be bad for them. Yeah, Cybermen are bad at math. Weird enough. <laughs> Strangely enough, their brains are replaced with computers. But they don't have a calculator app, which I feel like is odd. <laughs> Bit of an oversight. So yeah, so kind of meh, but better meh. And the doctor is now different, so that's a thing. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a meh, but it's a high quality meh. <laughs> talking to me, your opinion may have lowered a little bit, but talking to you, my opinion went up a little bit. Oh, okay, great. So now 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 we've achieved equilibrium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it for this episode, guys. If you like the podcast, be sure to give it five stars and tell your friends about it. It's the best way to support us right now. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know, all the popular podcast networks. If you want to talk to us about the show, you can follow us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. And if you want to talk to Mac and I specifically, you can follow Mac at MacTheMeh and Caleb at CLB underscore Clark. You also be sure to check out Mac's YouTube channel, also titled Mac the Meh, where he does insightful essays about video games. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we take a look back on the Hartnell era and the First Doctor in our first bonus episode, which we've decided to call The Doctor is Out. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs>